Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Hey, guys. My name is Adam. I'm an alcoholic. Wow. All right. I have a... I have a new job that is very demanding and we're super busy and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to share on it. Luis is like, just pray on it. So I did over the last couple of days and um, I still don't know what I'm going to share. So (laughs) nothing came to me. Uh, I want to welcome all the newcomers. Um, You guys remind me of where I was uh, many years ago and... Uh, everybody in this room has been in that seat at one time, so welcome. Um, I guess I'll start when, when I was a kid. So I grew up uh, to a mother who was um, addicted to men, and so I, I don't have a, uh, I, don't, I, I never really had a really good father figure growing up. I had men come in and out of my life. Um, uh, that was the only consistent, was a new man uh, every uh, few years. And um, we were very poor, lived in a really rough neighborhood in Kansas City. And um, I remember getting beat up and picked on quite a bit when I was little. Um, moved a lot. I think I went to like five different schools, in, or eight different schools in five different states by the time I was in third grade. Um, my mom married a, a very wealthy man when I was in third grade, and so my whole life got turned upside down. Um, and I became very angry because I was living with my grandfather at the time and really happy in Florida. And uh, she ended up marrying this guy. And, and so I was living in this giant house all of a sudden, and they traveled the world. And so I was living with this housekeeper that I didn't know, going to school, and I didn't know anybody. And I just remember getting really angry. Um, and uh, and I think I was 12 years old the first time I, I smoked pot. And uh, I was terrified of doing it. And I, I didn't have a good experience. Uh, but I couldn't wait to do it again. Um, and that set off, uh, you know, years of just being a garbage can. Any drug, any alcohol that we could get our hands on, we were taken. Um, and so I think I was an addict and, a, and an alcoholic from day one. It was the only thing that made me feel okay. That and sports. Um, and... Uh, I liked it so much that the, the foo-foo private school that I was going to asked me kindly not to come back my uh, uh, sophomore year. And so I had to find a boarding school to go to. And um, they don't send kids that are doing great to boarding school. They send kids that are <laughs> terrorizing their families and neighborhoods usually. That, that's, and it was great. I mean, finally I had like 200 brothers and sisters. I was, I was only child, so I had like 200 brothers and sisters that I could party with. And, um, and uh, that's when my, my using really accelerated. I have no idea how I, how I graduated high school. I have no idea how I got into a college. It wasn't a great college, uh, but it was a, a small college in Florida. And uh, I, 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 uh, <laughs> I, uh, I lasted a semester. 
I showed up like three weeks late to my orientation uh, because I was in Bermuda with a girlfriend and they had no idea where I was and uh, wrecked my car the first week. Um, I was just a menace. I, I, I was just a terrible person. <laughs> I really was. Uh, because all I cared about was when I was going to be able to use, who I was going to be able to use with, how much I was going to be able to use, and that's it. I, I, I got a zero, zero, I went to three different colleges in three years, and I got a zero zero in every single one of them. So, uh, because that's all I cared about, was drinking and using. Um, I got my first DUI in, uh, I think I was 22 years old, went to a couple of AA meetings, realized that there's no way they're going to figure out if I signed this paper or somebody else did, right? It's anonymous, right? So I signed all my paperwork and uh, handed it in. Um, so I got nothing out of the first uh, exposure to AA, um, except the fact that I could, that I could uh, cheat the system. Um, got found cocaine in a heavy way uh, when I was 24. I was doing like a quarter ounce of coke and a liter of vodka every day and I was down to like 120 pounds. My skin tone was kind of gray and I called my mom and I'm like, hey, I need 400 bucks for a new set of brakes. And she said, okay, well, I'll give you the $400, but you gotta promise me you'll go to rehab. And I said, rehab, what the fuck? Why yeah, sure, whatever. And so she sent me the money, I got the Coke and I was up all night. I was the worst Coke dealer in the world. I, I would get, I would literally every, I did this for like six months. I would get a quarter ounce or a half ounce. I would, I would, lit, I would buy the little uh, the bindles. I would weigh it all out. I would go to the club. I would get paranoid. I would go back home and do it all. Every, I did that every single night for like six months. I never sold any. Um, so anyway, my mom showed up at the house the next morning and said, okay, you said you go to rehab. And I was so sick and I was dying. Uh, and I said, okay, I'll go. So I went to rehab. Uh, they suggested I go to a, a sober living and I found a place in, in PB. Um, and that was my first real exposure to AA. That was like, we were the hip, slick, cool guys in AA. You know, there's a lot of young people in PB at the Alana Club. So we go to a lot of meetings and try to pick up girls. And, um, and I ended up staying sober for, uh, about four years uh, and I worked with my sponsor, uh, became a real estate agent for commercial real estate up in Miramar and um, and then one day a, a buddy of mine called and said, hey man, my brother's starting a stock brokerage for me. You wanna come up to LA, my old stomping grounds and, and become a stock broker? And I'm like, I didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so I went back to LA and uh, to become a stockbroker, you have to study and you have to work. So I had to work from like five in the morning until five at night, and then I had to go home and study. So there was no time to party. But about six months later, I passed my Series 7, I got my brokerage license, and they're like, all right, let's go you know, celebrate. So we went out to the, to the bar and um, someone brought over a drink and put it down, and I didn't even think about it. I was. I was six months away from my AA guys. I hadn't called them, I hadn't kept in touch, uh, and I didn't even think about it. I picked it up, I drank it, 
I might have drank in one more, but I had to get up at five o'clock in the morning. And I was like, all right, let's go, you know. So I woke up the next morning and something hit me. I was like, those motherfuckers in AA lied to me. They said if I drank, I was gonna die. I was gonna, my life was gonna fall apart. Look at me, I'm at work. I'm a stockbroker, right? Um, and it progressively got worse and worse and worse. And, uh, but I kept rising in the ranks in this, in this stock brokerage firm to where I was managing this 15,000 square foot uh, office space with like 20 support staff. And I don't know how I got that job, but um, my ego was so big and my, I was making a lot of money and I was doing a lot of cocaine. If you saw the Wolf of Wall Street, those guys were the sales trainers at our firm. So that's how we partied. And uh, I hit another bottom and I came crawling back to San Diego. And this set in motion this cycle for me of every, I would come back into the, into the rooms, I would get all excited about being sober again and about five years later, something would happen and I would have my life back. I would ha I started a new business. You know, my relationship with my girl was back. The heat was off and I would find myself in a position to drink. And I did. And I did this over and over and over for the next 25 years. Um, so I was sober, you know, the vast majority of that time. My, my relapses were short-lived, but very consequential. I, I've been in jail, I went to jail for eight months for uh, attempted murder, well, it was originally attempted murder, but it, it was pled down to a, uh, assault, causing great bodily injury. But I spent eight months in jail. No way I'm gonna go back to drinking after that, right? Five years later, I smashed into the back of a minivan and I'm looking at, I'm looking at seven years in prison because I'm a strike felon and they wanted to put me away for a long time. And, uh, and Louie, I don't know if any of you guys know Louie, but Louie uh, pulled me aside when I came back and he's like, Adam, we're so glad to see you. You know, like, like it happens when you relapse and you come back to the program. We're so happy to see you back, man. We're starting a step study here uh, tomorrow night. You want to join us? And my first thought was, Man, you know how many times I've worked the steps, how many times I've done this shit? And then a little voice came in my head and it said, just say yes. And I said, all right, I'll go. So Sunday night, show up at the step study. Mike was there, a whole handful of guys were there um, that I had not met before. And it was a BBA step study. And the very first thing that we do is we say this thing called the set aside prayer. God. Please enable me to set aside everything I think I know for an open mind and new experience. Help, uh, help me see the truth about, what's the rest of it? The truth about whatever. Let me see the truth about whatever, whatever right. Anyway, this book, this program, and I needed that. Because I, I had you know, 25 years of AA experience under my belt. I thought I knew what this program was about. But I needed that prayer to be able to set all that shit aside and just give it one more shot. And I, I said to God, God, I'm going to give this one more try, but if it doesn't work this time, I'm going to disappear down to Mexico. No one's ever going to hear from me again. And I was just going to die. I was, I was going to go down there and, and, and use myself to death. Um, 
But I had these wild spiritual experiences in, through that process. And it was, it was the way we worked the steps. It was the group of guys that we had in that particular step study. Um, I heard the book for the first time. And, and things that were missing, like there's three parts to the first step. There's the physical allergy. Once I start drinking, I cannot stop. Maybe not every time, because I've proven that I can drink sometimes and not, you know, my life doesn't fall apart. Uh, but there will be a time in a relapse where the wheels will fall off and I'll end up in handcuffs. I, there is no doubt about it. Um, it might be the first time, it might be, you know, a few months later, uh, but it will happen. Uh, and I have this mental obsession, right? It's like, once I start thinking about drinking, I cannot stop thinking about drinking. And uh, once I pick up a drink and I start drinking, I will, that, that magic line, I'll cross it and I won't be able to stop until I'm in handcuffs. But then there's that third there, there's that third layer, which is the spiritual malady, which is the undercurrent of everything that drives my sickness, right? That hole in the soul they talk about. That's that spiritual malady. Um, and I had never heard that, right? The second step, uh, you know, the, 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 we, we do this thing where we write out the 10 craziest things we've ever done uh, drinking. And it's, you know, I tried to launch a hot air balloon in my front yard. I, I you know, all these wild stories, these drunkologues that, that I wrote down. And, and uh, my sponsor said, you know, that you know, the craziest thing you ever did isn't even on that list. And I'm like, what is it? And he said, cold stone coat sober in the face of all of the wreckage that you have caused because of your drinking, you still chose to pick that drink up. That's the craziest thing you've ever done. And, um, and so I was able to see the true insanity of alcoholism, you know, just by that one little exercise. And the third step, I always had a problem with the third step because turn my will and my life over the care of God as I understood him. I don't, I don't even know what, especially the first time someone goes through the steps, I don't know what my will is, right? I, what am I turning over? I don't even know who I am, let alone what my entire will is to turn over to God. And he's, my sponsor said, if the best you can do is simply commit to finishing the rest of these steps, that's enough, right? And I, I latched onto that. I'm like, okay. That I can get, right? I mean, this God thing is so big, but that I can do. I can commit to going through the rest of the steps. And then the fourth step, the way we do it in the BBA, you know, we write out all our resentments. We look at all the areas of self, and then we flip the script and look at our part in each one of those uh, relationships. It was like I had this one, and I remember standing there pounding the desk, um, I have no part in this. This doctor prescribed these psych meds and literally cost me half a million dollars and eight months of my life, right? I, I, I don't have any part of this. He swore an oath to do no harm, right? I mean, I was pounding my fist on the table and he's like, okay, okay, let's just think, how did you find that doctor? And I was like, whoa. I mean, I knew the guy, so I knew I didn't have to really do any tests, and he would just prescribe the Prozac, and <laughs> said, well, maybe that's a part, maybe you can, as, so that was like the little mustard seed that I needed to start to see my part in every one of these relationships. Um, 
you know, and, and it really helped to, to, to sit down. That one really helped for me to be able to go through and, and really write out a full body of work, right? Lots and lots of resentment sheets and, um, and to see how I showed up in each one of those. Um, you know, and, and, and then I did my fifth step and he was able to point out some other things that I was completely blocked off from, you know, because in my sickness, I am blocked off from the sunlight of the spirit. I'm blocked off from God's truth. Um, and that's why the fifth step is so important. And, and I was able to get out some of those take to the grave things, some of those things that I was never going to tell anybody. Um, and I had never done that before. You know, in all those 25 years, I'd always kind of kept people at, at arm's length. I had never really let them in because I had these, these deep-seated uh, man issues with my dad. Um, and so I was, I was able to really open up to a group of men like I had never done before. Uh, and I was able to, on my seventh step, you know, review all of this work that we had done, one through one through four or five at this, at this point. And uh, I was able to really see my life in living color and get on my knees and do that seventh step prayer and humbly ask God to remove these uh, shortcomings. Um, and then write the list in the eighth step of all these people I had harmed. And, and I had the courage finally to go uh, face to face and, and, and make these amends, these, these, uh, you know, these harms that I had done so many people. And I'm still, that's why I stay in the work because I, and I especially like workshop work because I hear other people writing sheets and, and sharing about their experiences. And it reminds me, oh God, I forgot about that guy. I forgot it. I did that same thing to this guy, you know, and I completely forgotten about it. So it's, I'm continually having new things come up that I'm able to work on and, and new, uh, new um, amends that I'm able to make and, and get free of, of that, that shit that's down deep. And then 10, 11 is just kind of like just doing that one through nine over and over and over daily. Right. Um, and then the, the last thing I'll say is the one thing that I didn't do in those 25 years was I never sponsored anybody um, because I really never had an experience with the work. So uh, I think it was maybe the six or seven step. Mike was like, you know, you really should start looking for a sponsor. And I'm like, dude, we're only on step six. And he's like, no, you know, I think you should. And I'm like, I don't know. I, he said, just pray on it. So I, I, I said, all right. So I was praying on it and literally like a week later, this guy shows up at one of our meetings and shares my exact story. He had just gotten a DUI. He was looking at seven years in prison. He was, I mean, I, literally the exact same situation I had just come through. And, um, and uh, Mike looked at me and he was like, mm, there he is. <laughs> so we went up and talked and that became my first sponsee, you know, and I worked the steps with him. and. Um, BBA is great because it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a recipe book. I mean, it's really simple to walk someone else through the steps through BBA because the instructions are so simple. Um, and he had this amazing experience. Uh, and, and I was like, God, why did I resist this so, for so long? You know, this, it, there are no magic bullets. There are no, there, there is no one thing that I can point to that, oh, okay, that's what sobriety is. It's, it's the whole 
it's the whole program, right? I have to go to meetings. I have to have regular meetings that people see me at. Uh, I have to be of service at those meetings. Um, I have to be in the work, in the steps. Um, I have to be uh, of service. You know, it's like a three-legged stool. And you ha I have to have all of those legs uh, solid on the ground because if I don't, uh, I'm pretty sure that you know, well, my, my history tells me that I'll probably relapse again, you know, and I, I, I don't want to do that. I really, I have a life now that is so phenomenal. I, I work with a guy in the program and I really enjoy what I'm doing right now. Um, and I just wish all you guys find the same joy in sobriety because sobriety is, for me at least, I'm just... Jail sucks. <laughs> I don't want to go back to jail. And that's exactly where I'll go if I drink. So thanks a lot. Hi, hello, guys. My name is Angel Attic. Angel. Angel. Uh, so uh, I'm going to uh, let you guys know a little bit of my, 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 my history and in, uh, in, uh, drinking and uh, what happened to me while I was drinking and using uh, drugs. Uh, I left uh, uh, drugs a long time ago. Like no, I left uh, beer, which was one of my um, my favorite. Like you know, um, use. Like you know, it took me to a lot of suffering, which was which was uh, you know, and a lot of like family, like you know, respect, a lot of work loss and all that stuff. Uh, I got injured too. I, I went through a lot of um, how's it call it? Uh, accidents while I was drinking. You know, uh, I remember one time I was drinking. And using drugs, I, I, I would mix. And I was like actually drinking and I wasn't home. Like, you know, I would fill up my, 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 like my trash can full of beers, 32 ounce uh, ice house beers. I switched them off from uh, high life to uh, ice house um, 32 ounces. And I would like, you know, just work for that kind of like, you know, lifestyle. Uh, at the time, like, you know, I was using uh, marijuana, too. But, um, like, you know, I, and I, I remember uh, working at a construction site over at that uh, same company we were working at. And all that stuff uh, was running in there, too, you know. Uh, use of drugs, working while on drugs, you know. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you could, you sneak a little beer here and there, you know, and... Um, it wasn't the same, like, you know, because uh, my sobriety wasn't there. I was just focused on the money, you know, and uh, accidents would happen, this, you know, here and there. A lot of a lot of friends lost, you know, because of the attitudes we had, you know. Uh, it wasn't the same, like, you know. Um, so a lot of problems came into my life, you know, and uh, so here and there, like, you know, um, I would, like, you know, um, use of the beer and and the beer would control my life you know so it took me a couple of times to a couple of stops you know uh, here and there at checkups but i got lucky uh that uh i didn't um get any like duis at the time you know and right now well i i, I knocked out the, uh, the beer after a couple of times in rehab you know uh, throughout my family and uh, so I left that, uh, that uh, which is a drug, right? I left that drug of choice, which was beer, because beer is, an, is, a, is a drug, you know? But it's sold here uh, as, a, like, you know, they, they could sell it, you know? So it takes that first drink, 
so you could just you know continue to another drug and from another drug it just keeps even getting deeper you know so i got in an accident like you know from drinking too much beer i was uh you know partying and uh i drank like uh, eight pitchers of a uh, budweiser and uh, i had a couple uh well i had just like gotten stopped by cops and uh well i didn't have no evidence of the drug it was a 20 of uh cocaine you know so I snorted it all, you know, it made me do a couple of things here and there. Like, you know, I ended up in a bar partying, you know, a lot of people. I was partying, like, with those guys' girlfriends, you know, dancing here and there, you know. And, and the guys were right there watching me dancing with their girls. They were actually, like, you know, <laughs> like, it was pretty, like, you know, not not cool, you know. So I ended up getting kicked out from the, from, from the, uh, from the bar because I, I was drinking too much. I was out of control. I had my bike outside my Diamondback parked right there in the patio. So they kicked me out, you know, I, I, I didn't have no other option. I hopped into my bike. And I went straight into the middle lane, like, you know, into that intermediate lane where uh, over here in Sweetwater Road. And it was dark, it was already dark late time, you know? And uh, so I just went in there straight. I was like, you know, super drunk. And I got hit uh, 60 miles per hour by this old lady, she was 65, you know, and uh, she, she, I, I tore up the car and everything, you know. I went to the hospital. I couldn't fight, like, you know, I couldn't get no money off of it, nothing, like, you know, because of the, of the alcohol in my system. I got lucky I was, like, not paralyzed, you know, for life, you know, and continued my life walking, you know. So that was a close, a close wake-up, like, you know, a, a close wake-up call for not drinking no more. The first thing I did the next day, I got released from uh, from uh, Scripps. Uh, I think it was Scripps Mercy, and uh, but my back uh, they didn't let me know. They let my pops and my moms know that my my like you know what what my bones were like you know my back, my spinal. So I was just feeling like a, like 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 a slinky like you know uh, half my body falling because because uh, of the accident you know and because of the booze uh, how much booze I uh, actually drank and what I did wrong and everything, like, you know. Uh, that took me to a, like, you know, uh, actually when I went back home, my family was already broken up, like, you know, uh, spiritually, you know, uh, from uh, from me uh, not understanding, like, you know, uh, me continuing the drug use, the alcohol, me not being there for them, like, you know, as a, as a son, you know. Uh, me growing out throughout the years, that, that, that's how it was, and it, it ended up like that. So when I got home, I was all bended up and everything, like, you know, that went for me. And uh, that's a, a lot of stuff happened to me, like, you know, on drug use and alcohol. Like, you know, I learned about it, like, you know, I, I don't want that to happen anymore. You know, I was, like, you know, suffering, like, you know, here and there, like, you know, real bad cases, like, you know, that never touched, like, you know, the, the government, like, you know. So, uh, uh, after that, uh, the battle wounds just stay in my body, you know, and I just like, you know, I see them every time I like, you know, I see the mirror, uh, they're just there because of the alcohol and the drug use, you know, and, uh, that's one of the things that just stays in, 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 in like, I stay scarred spiritually, physically, emotionally, you know, I try to grow up, you know, and I throw out like, you know, this NA services I do here. 
And uh, once again, like, you know, it keeps bringing me back if I continue using the drugs. Like, you know, this time I think I'm going to really do it. Like, you know, it's my first time being here in uh, here in the USA, right here in California, in San Diego, uh, in one of these rehab centers. Because I usually go to uh, NA classes throughout the, like, you know, I, I assist my classes and all that stuff. But I got caught up by the cops and all that stuff. Uh, like, my mind blew out, like, you know. So my drug of choice right now is just meth. You know, so I knocked out all the uh, marijuana, knocked out beer, I knocked out cocaine, and methamphetamine is one of the drugs I can't just like you know it's it got it got a hold on me like you know, uh, I'm trying to like you know trying to knock that out. I don't know if it's the goodness of it or the high or the what what, what makes like what are you doing it like or, or if it makes you think a lot, all that kind of stuff you know, or just the feeling or the pipe you know rolling it like you know smoking it feeling. Or just like not sleeping, I don't know what it is, but uh, it's just like, you know, oh, oh, all right, thank you guys. Good evening, my name is Michael, I'm an alcoholic. Michael. Uh, thank you, Adam, for your share. Um, I can relate to a lot to that, especially the relapses and going back and programming and thinking I got it and lengths of sobriety and then I go back and, you know, it always gets worse, you know, but, um, I'm uh, I'm back in my program again. I'm working my steps all over again. I've been through my fourth step, and you know I'm working with my same sponsor that, that I've been working with from the last time I was here. But now I'm concentrating on on uh, other steps, and you know I, I I try to share this last time, but the women are here, and I try not to get too involved and and say things that are that that are inappropriate. But it's men today, so I can share. I'm working on my, on my sexual conduct and my sexual inventory, which I, I didn't really focus on too much last time during my fourth and fifth step. And um, you know, I didn't realize how, how bad my behavior is, and the way I use people, and how I manipulate women, and what I do to get what I want, and and to need to have somewhere to stay, to have somewhere to some stability. Some I I you know over the I was married for. 15 years and I was a good provider. I was a man of the house. I was responsible and somewhere within my time of my addiction, I lost all that power, man. I, I became, I couldn't do things on my own. So now that's what I'm focusing on. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, staying away from, from just toxic relationships, where, you know, because yeah, they lead me in, in bad directions. And it makes me do things that are that are very, very cruel and very mean and very malice. And, and I don't want to be like that anymore. But I just, I, uh, hearing your share, it really, it really, like, touched me. Because, again, I, I can relate to a lot of what you said. Um, you know, I, I deal with, with a, lot of, a lot of character defects as well. And um, one of the things that I do have is, is I have, like, low self-esteem. Even here, I, I try not to make eye contact with people because my shame and guilt and stuff that I have, but I'm working on that. That's something I'm working on, you know. Um, I just, uh, I just, I don't know. I feel like I need to come up here and say something, and uh, thanks for letting me share, guys. Thank you. Isaac, I'm an alcoholic. Adam, thanks for your lead. Story gets better every time I hear it. <laughs> um, what should I say? Uh, moral and philosophical convictions galore. You know, the, the, when, I, when I was younger, 
I, I really wanted to be a good person. I really did. Um, and I actually thought that I was, you know, that the, the I really wanted to do the right thing, and, and, and I had kind of a self-righteousness about me, right? The, the, um, and as I went through life, I kind of, I, I, I watched this other person that looked a lot like me um, do a lot of bad things to people. Um, and very self-interested, very selfish, very uh, cruel, and uh, using people, and hurting people, and uh, lying to people, and um, you know the the working the steps and kind of reaching my bottom, and and you know the coming to the kind of the realization that. Uh, my way wasn't working, right? The, 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 my, my best work, my best efforts um, didn't, you know, the, I wasn't able to kind of live up to those, the, the high moral standards that, that I might have set for myself or the being a, a good person. And, and I mean, in a lot of cases, right, the people that, that cared about me the most or that I cared about the most um, were ended up very hurt by the the things that I did and the my selfishness and my um, uh, addictions, right? And so, part of my story is kind of the the coming to the realization that, um, you know, the I I I couldn't do it, right? I couldn't it, out of my will and my you know just self effort. I just couldn't create the the. I couldn't be the, the nice, happy, loving person. I, I couldn't, uh, you know, stop drinking. I couldn't stop using. I couldn't create the, this life that I thought that I, I had the power to create. And so, you know, coming in here and, and taking the, the first step and the first three steps, right, is, is for me was about kind of acknowledging that and putting that down and, and saying, okay, well, what if... Um, you know, in, in, in some senses, it kind of like gave me uh, hope, right? That there's all these happy people laughing, and, and I was just kind of, um, you know, maybe there's there is a solution, right? Maybe I'm I'm willing to try what they're w- recommending, right? Maybe there's hope for me. Um, and I remember my my sponsor came up to me and he said, you know, if you just stick around and work these steps you'll be you'll be amazed at what happens and I was like, oh okay okay um and i did you know the i i i, I thought hey i'm just gonna hang on and see if he's full of full of it right um and i got a lot of relief you know the and the, and the, the first few months of, of my sobriety right the, it was kind of the walking on clouds moment ah oh, me and god we're just it's so good um, and then, you know, life, life came back, right? And, and, and there, there have been some difficult things in my sobriety. Um, and the kind of, I'm here because I need to be, right? Because I'm, the, the, I'm, I'm constantly uh, running the, trying to run the show and saying, oh, God, I got this, God. You can stand back. I'm, I'm good now. Um, and you know, I come back to the rooms because I can see that I'm I'm starting to spin out, right? Like the I, I can tell when I start getting when I when I start pulling away from God, and I'm like, oh, like instead of fighting with my wife tonight, I'm going to come to a meeting, 
Thanks. Sal, alcoholic. I go to meetings at least five times a week just to get not get into a fight with my wife. <laughs> um, thank you for your lead, uh, As you were talking, I just I was kind of I was listening to your story and and how I could relate to what you went through. Um, I uh, am the youngest of seven, uh, first generation here uh, in, the, in the United States from Italy, um, but. Uh, growing up in a in a, a Italian culture, it's the boys have to carry the family name. They have to carry the pride. Um, my dad's in the concrete business, no pun intended. Um, but we all worked with our hands. We all did the concrete work with my dad. Summertime didn't matter if I was in kindergarten. We all had to work in the summer to help with my dad's concrete business. Um, but then, uh, lo and behold, I was the youngest and my dad's all, you, you got to go to school. But I always had that pension for wanting to uh, prove to my other siblings that I could do more. And uh, being the youngest of seven, my mom had her tubes tied before she had me. So there is that part of me, battle itself, you know, that we go through through the first couple of steps um, that was like we lost a brother too uh, to leukemia uh, when I was a year old so everyone says oh well you were a godsend you're here for a purpose well it wasn't that way I was the little one but I was always the one that was just eh whatever the feeling of you know not being the one that was wanted, the one that was supposed to be here. So what I did was, I, where I grew up, it was either you're in a gang or you take sports. I chose a sport route. And I played football and uh, basketball my entire life. But I ended up going to college for football. But I took the pride of taking the pain out onto the person in front of me. I used to love when I would tackle somebody and they get the little nose bubbles going on and stuff. I used to love that. I was the I was the angry guy that would make sure when I tackled you, I'd get up and make sure my drool from my mouthpiece is hitting you in the face and push my hand, put my hand in your face as I'm getting up. Um, but I realized now, after going to college and fortunate to, to play at a collegiate level and, and pay for my schooling and all it really taught me was to grow pot when, when I was going to school. And that paid for other luxuries. And I kicked the pot and I moved to alcohol. And the alcohol was trying to fill that void. And since coming in here and working with my sponsors, it's, it's a constant battle with self. Yeah, we're powerless. Yeah, we have spiritual malady and we have a mental obsession. And coming to these meetings and reading the book and going through the steps, it's actually, like you said, you, you can feel when you're becoming disconnected. I was disconnected from, from God for a good 20 years. And now this is bringing me, it's bringing me closer. I can tell when, I'm, when I haven't 
read pages 84 through 88, when I haven't read um, the third step prayer, when I haven't read, you know, page 14, page 30, page, I mean, the, the, it goes on and on and on. And it's, that's, that's just all part of getting to where we need to be, finding your inner self. Step four is where you're going into yourself and you're saying, it's like when I was playing football, that guy over there, I'm going to take him out. I'm going to make sure he, he, some boogers come out his nose when I hit him. But you're doing it to yourself now. You're going into yourself and you're looking, where am I fucked up in the head? Where am I taking what I'm holding inside and taking it out on others? And yeah, we're going to be angry at people. That's given. But at the same time, in the book it says, you know, while we were using, we stepped on the toes of our fellows, you know? And so who knows if we've stepped on those toes and the people that we have the resentment towards is is mad at us, but now that we're sober, we're like, what the hell did I just do? Why am why are you mad at me for? I was I'm 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 the same. So it just makes you look into yourself and, and I don't know if I make much sense, but I had it all planned out when I got there and when I got up here I got side sidebar, but anyways, um yeah, these steps are great and you just you gotta put the work into it. So thank you. Burning alcoholic. You know, um, I started at a real young age. You know, I started at 13, 14 years old, drinking, using. You know, um, I had no strength, no hope at all. You know, I was, I always thought I was going to die of a, a, my addictions, straight out. You know, um, with 10 DUIs. You know, I was getting accidents. You know, um... I was a liar, a thief, master manipulator. I mean, mad at the world, hated the world, hated everybody. I hated you because you were happy, you know, blaming everybody for my mistakes, you know. But then I, you know, I got tired of being tired. You know, one day I tried to kill myself on July, on July 22nd of last year. And um, thank God that uh, there was this guardian angel that stopped me from doing that. Because I wouldn't be here. And I couldn't say my life is my message. My message is my life now. You know. And um, I put myself in the Salvation Army. You see. Today I'm not no longer a liar. Man. I tell the truth and it feels good. You know. I mean. I'm not mad at the world. I don't live in denial no more. You know. I am an alcoholic. But in recovery now. I am a child of God. You know, what these rooms are doing for me is a blessing. You know, giving me the help that I need. You know, um, giving me all the tools to stay sober because I want to stay sober. You know, uh, and um, man, thank you for your share. I relate to you a lot. <laughs> but but um, yeah, man, you got to work the steps, man. The steps, man, the steps. If it wasn't for the steps, I wouldn't be here standing sober with a year and going on two months tomorrow. 
So I'm glad, you know, I never thought I could do that. Straight up, I never thought I could stay sober at all. And um, I don't plan to relapse. I don't have that in my vocabulary because, man, all this would be worthless, you know? I mean, I'm doing this because I want to do it. You know, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to stay sober. You know, and today, thanks to the Salvation Army, you know, I'm doing things that I never thought I would do. Help others, you know. I've gone camping, something I've never done. Last Friday, I went fishing for the first time in my life, and I caught this fish that was bigger than, almost bigger than me. You know, it was, it was awesome. And I mean, a couple of buddies, man, we fed the whole house. You know, we have uh, close to 100 people. We caught six, man, these fishes were huge. Man, I, man, put it like this, I almost fainted because I was battling this fish. I needed help. This fish was huge. Man, <laughs> I think that fish knew we were going to eat him, and that's why he didn't want to come up, you know. <laughs> but, man, that fishing trip was awesome, you know. It's a blessing, you know. And, and, and it's because of these rooms, it's because of the program that I'm doing things today that I've never done in my life. You know, I've always been in and out of jail, you know, on this cycle, always trapped. And I always thought I was stuck. You know, the door would never open, but thanks to these rooms, thanks to the programs, I was able to open that door and find life because, man, this is life, man. I mean, being sober, I mean, it feels good. Man, I've never done this in my life. This is my first program. Man, I'm not going to fail, and I don't want to fail. I'm not going to fail. I love it. You know, I've never felt this good. I've never, I never had peace in my life. I, ne I never had joy in my heart. My soul is just, I mean, it's amazing. It is, you know? And I'm not gonna ruin it for nothing in the world. I don't care, you gave me a million bucks, I'll shove it in your face, you can have it. This is too good, this is too, it's too real, and I'm not gonna blow it. So thank you, I'll take another 24. Luis, alcoholic. Adam, thank you for coming in and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. I was there when this uh, man there was 35 of us in that workshop, and I had never prayed for anybody outside of my family. I actually didn't really pray. Definitely I would ask for God for help, get me out of jail, get me out of this one, but immediately I would keep walking my own way. And so when I heard his story, it was his and someone else, like for the first time in my life, I prayed for a stranger, and it was a simple prayer. I said, God, if this thing can work, Please let it work for him. I didn't know him, but his, what he was going through, what he was facing and, and where he was looking for hope, I was, it was, you know, I was, I was in that room sitting in, in the chair just right across from him. And so, you know, there's this duality that we discover when we're in here, which is, I came in here filled with guilt, shame, and remorse, hopelessness, broken. And yet, in these rooms, there's this spirit and there's this message of hope. Um, I came in spiritually dead, and yet today I'm spiritually awakened, right? Um, he already touched on the insanity. I'm blind, but I can't see it. The way I'm thinking and the way I'm living and the way I'm feeling is just crazy. And yet today, 
you know, I'm, I'm more sane than insane. <laughs> but I still, you know, but every time I choose my will, right, that's the versus God's will. It's, it's an insane choice, though I can't see it. But the, but the more I come and the more I go through these steps, I realize God's plan for my life is actually the best plan. Um, I just have to walk through that pain or that fear of getting out of my comfort zone to get to the other side of what he has planned for me. And so from darkness to light, you know, uh, what we get here is a fresh start. It's a fresh start. And um, these 12 steps are designed to help us get a new attitude or a new relationship with God. And the book says, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guilt, the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. And really, for me, that what that was is my whole life I've been chasing pleasure and running away from God. And today, I call him Papa, and I'm, and I'm trying to just live out his purpose for my life. And from it, as I share tonight, I've discovered, we discover that God really wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. And uh, Bernie, you know, uh, thank you for coming up tonight and just sharing the way God's love is transforming you because you guys arrived sometime in January or maybe before, but just to see how God's love is transforming you in your heart. And yeah, I remember when I first touched that, you know, and just and I pray that you just keep, keep walking towards that and keep holding on to that. So thank you. Good evening, my name is Oliver and I'm an alcoholic. Adam, that was great, man. I love to hear your story and like, Isaac is saying every time it gets better, man. And it must be true because the same exact one every time you tell it. And I love it, man. There's so much truth in it. And I just, I just love it, man. Thank you. And, um, you know, I've been, I'm, I've been listening to Fifth Steps for more than, for the better part of a week. We're doing a workshop and, and I'm listening to a bunch of Fifth Steps, man. And it's been a blessing. It's been, it, it, it's been a blessing, but it's also very hard to, to listen to so much pain, God. So much unnecessary pain. How we all believe in a lie that ruled our world always. You know, how, how because of that and our disease, and I mean, how blind I was that I couldn't see anything, man, but, but to do what I did and hurt the people that I hurt and hurt me and, and destroyed my life the way that I did it, just because I couldn't see the truth. I just, I wasn't capable of doing it. And today, listening to the fifth steps, I can see that in, in the guys and the girls that I'm listening to, man, and it's, and it's sad, but at the same time, it's great, because for the first time in their lives, they're, they're seeing it. I remember what, what, what just, uh, you shared about the spiritual malady, man. I didn't know that either. You know, you go to AA, they tell you that you're powerless because you can't drink and your life is an engine because of the drink. And then you come here to BBA and they tell you there's a third part there. You know, the one that causes everything and that's a spiritual malady. And that's where I can, 
really relate to, you know, that emptiness in my stomach that I've been trying to fill with drink and, and booze and, and, and drugs and, and money and prestige or hitting guys until they bleed. I mean, whatever it is, just to, to satisfy that, that emptiness in my stomach, you know. And then the beautiful thing about the, the fifth step or everything that I've been doing these days is that then you send them to do their sixth and their seventh. And that has brought a lot of reality into my life. Because when you teach, you ask yourself, are you doing it, man? When you're telling all these people to go home and to truly see if they're still holding to something, right? Before they gave it to God. And I've been holding to shit, but I haven't given it to God. And today, driving here, I said, Oliver, I mean, you're telling all this stuff to people. And, and what's up with you? You know, because there's one area in my life that I still struggle, I struggle with. And I want it so bad that I just can't let it go. You know, and I thought that I did a seventh step in this one, but I haven't. So, I mean, like Adam was saying, it's, it's really important to stay in, in the workshops and stuff like that because through, through helping people, you see yourself and all these guys, man, because we're brothers, we suffer from the same disease. You know, so today I have, I have a task in my heart and uh, I'm helping people do six and sevens. What I truly need to do is six and seven myself, not in a specific area in my life. You know, the, uh, I had a conversation with my, with my girlfriend the other day. You know, for a lot of people, spirituality, it's a choice, it's a fashionable thing to say, to talk in cafes and, and give you the opinion of their different God and how this guru talks and how that guru and how that technique works and if God is real or not, they will never know. Then, I mean, it's just all this bunch of shit to me. And why it's a bunch of shit to me? <clears throat> According to that book, the only solution that I have is the spiritual. I don't care how many meetings I go to. I don't care how many workshops I do. I don't care how much money I have. I don't care how many years I have. If I don't have God, I have nothing. Nothing. I don't care how much knowledge I have. I have given this workshop forever, man. And I'm looking at myself today saying, what's up, man? I mean, you've been preaching all this shit. What's up with you? It's difficult to give it away. It's difficult to stop clinging to stuff. It's difficult to go to God and say, okay, here we go. It's all yours. And then leave it alone. Because once you pack with God, man, that's what you do. Here you go, there's my shackles, man. I don't want to shackle myself anymore. But how important is to me, for the alcoholic, like me, that I find a loving God, that I can see his works in my life, I cannot believe in something that I can't see their miracles happening in my life and through my life. Because for me, God has to be as real as me, as real as this, as real as you. I cannot have that flimsy God. My girlfriend has like shitload of gods, man. It's like, well, every time I talk to her, it's like, I go crazy. It's like, what the fuck are you? What's God? Well, it's this and it's that, and I don't fight with this, and I don't fight, and it really, bothers me, man. Because for me, it's a matter of life and death. I don't have that luxury, you know? Either God is everything or He's nothing. So I just wanted to come up here and share that because uh, this work is done every day. It's a daily, daily battle, man. It's a daily battle itself. Who said that today? That's what we do, man, to try to kill that ego every day. Thank you.
My name is David, and I'm an, uh, an alcoholic. David. Uh, thank you, Adam. I hear your story many times, and I love your story. And I love to, you know, that you took us to the steps and telling us how simple the steps are. Let me tell you, not for me. They, they were not that simple, you know. Until lately, it's getting simple, you know. And thanks because, you know, I'm nervous and I'm afraid of every goddamn thing, so nothing is simple for me. So the steps are, uh, you know, something that is in my mind all the time because we're going through the steps. Oliver just, just uh, said it, you know, I did, I'm doing it the same thing. As a matter of fact, I was with the phone, on the phone with him uh, yesterday in the morning, and, you know, asking him what should I do and what should I do and what should I do. Um, but let me tell you something, you know, God manifests himself time after time and time again, you know. This whole that you're talking about, you know, the spiritual melody, my God, it, it doesn't feel that empty anymore. You know, when you work with others and you have God with you, it manifests himself, man. You know, I was talking with, you know, with him yesterday about, you know, these people that, we're doing the, that, that I'm doing the first test with. And sure enough, after I hung out with him, they keep on calling me. I mean, after that, it was a call after call after call. So I said, my goodness, you know, and everything is fixed. Everything is, you know, clear now, you know. And this morning, the same thing, you know. And uh, I spent most of my day yesterday and today just listening to the people through the steps, you know. And that's fulfilling, you know. That's God manifesting himself. You know, I was just with these people having fun today. I mean, we're doing the eighth and the next step, and I, I'm and clearly, you know, uh, here, you know, uh, the voice of God is telling me, you know, you're doing right. You know, because I can see these people, you know, working the program, you know. I can see these people getting happy, you know. I can see these people, you know, saying yes, yes, and yes, and yes, you know. And you took it from, you know, from the first step to the fifth step, and now six and seven, now we eight and nine, and you were, you know, I was never thought I was capable to do these things, you know. And I'm telling you, it's a lifesaver, like you were saying. But uh, it gets simple, but I'm telling you, nothing is simple for me. So I thank you again, and I, I can identify with you almost with everything that you said. So um, thank you for sharing again. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.